0: Welcome to the Theoso Podcast, where theology meets sociology, along with a little bit of soul. I'm your host, Chad Cooper. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Sunday School Sundays. This is when we set aside some time for Christian education. We have a Bible lesson that includes scripture verses, a brief introduction for background and context of the lesson setting, then we'll read our Bible verses and go through a verse-by-verse verse breakdown through the exposition. Finally, we'll wrap up with some life application, summary, and we'll have some discussion questions, as well as the DDR, the Home Daily Devotional Readings. We are continuing our winter teaching series entitled, Called to Heal. This is week number seven in our winter teaching series. For the month of January, we looked at the theme of Jesus and calls in his ministry. These lessons will deal with four specific events in Jesus' earthly ministry. We started off two weeks ago as we talked about call to proclaim as Jesus uh, through the gospel writer Luke chapter number four, he dealt with that Jesus read from the scroll of Isaiah, quoting him saying that this message has been fulfilled in your ears. When he proclaimed the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Last week we talked about call to significance. The Gospel writer Luke again uh, records Jesus in Luke chapter 5 when we talk about the ultimate fish story. When Jesus uh, commanded Simon Peter to launch out into the deep and let down your nets after a long night of fishing and not catching anything, obeying the word of Jesus captured uh, so much that the nets began to break and then the other boat caught so much fish that that boat also began to sink and we see that these Galilean fishermen were called to something greater than their earthly occupation as fishermen Jesus called them to be fishers of men this week we're going to look at from the gospel writer Mark, John Mark. As we look at the title of called to heal, our topic is healing for the whole person. We will read Mark chapter number two, verses one through 12. The main thought or the key memory verse is Mark chapter two, verse nine. From the King James version, it reads, whether it is easier to say to the sick, of the palsy, Thou Sins be forgiven thee? Or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk." Our lesson setting takes place in the city of Caponium, the region of Galilee. Now Here's our introduction. Jesus proved his authority over leprosy, over disease, over a demon, over his disciples and now over the crippling effects of paralysis of both the body and the mind. What is interesting in this account is that he encountered a man who exhibited a powerful faith whose paralyzed body was healed because of the realization of Jesus' identity. The scene is almost unbelievable and the story of this healing Is one of the most famously quoted commands in Scripture. None of this could have been possible without the massive amounts of faith demonstrated by the man and his three friends. It's good to have good friends. In earlier lessons, we learned about the call of Jesus, his ministry, his ministry's focus and the call of his followers. Now we turn to see his ministry in action. The gospel of Mark portrays Jesus as a servant of the people who suffers even to the point of death on the cross. Chapter 1 of Mark details Jesus' baptism, temptation, and his first followers. The miracles Jesus performed served a twofold effect. One, jesus heals people otherwise unable to be helped by the health structure of their day secondly miracles of healing drew attention to jesus's message however what we will discover from jesus is a purpose of healing that depicts his power and authority that is used to bring wholeness to the brokenhearted in this story Jesus demonstrates that healing is not simply a physical thing, but an action that must take root in the entire person. It is possible to be healed physically, but be so scarred psychologically, mentally, or spiritually, that the physical healing is useless. Jesus cares about the total person we should too. Hashtag, Gritty Faith. We usually do this at the end of the episode, but we're going to do it at the beginning as well. Let's make this trending on social media, on Twitter, as well as Instagram. Hashtag Gritty Faith. How can you combine grit and faith so that you cannot be denied? We want you to share your views and tag us at Cooper 929 on Instagram and Twitter. And use hashtag Soul Podcast and hashtag Sunday School Sundays. America is sick and is in need of healing. In addition to being infected with COVID-19, our country has been infected with the disease of racism since its ex- inception. Sadly, we know of no other world where racism does not exist. Like Jeremiah, who acts of God, quote, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery? End quote. Many also inquire, What could truly heal us of this malady? Jesus is the balm for our country, He is the great physician. Just as his shed blood heals us from the stain of sin, his love is the cure for the scourge of all forms of discrimination. To experience the love of God is to better appreciate the nature and condition of our humanity. His love reveals in us our brokenness and the grace he has applied to preserve us despite it. The more consumed we are by God's love for us, the more empowered we become to love others. Being aware of our own brokenness fosters empathy towards others and their brokenness. His love teaches us how to emulate the character of God, the character of Christ. In today's lesson, Jesus reveals his power to heal and forgive. By exercising this power, he also reveals his identity as the Son of Man. This prompted one of the controversial stories involving conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders. For the audience to which this gospel was written, Mark cast these conflicts throughout his account as representing the internal tension believers face when choosing relationship with God over the obligation of religion let's take a look at our exposition our outline is as follows section one is entitled unknown men driven by faith Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Section 2. Healing of the paralytic. Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 10. All authority is in my hand. Again, Mark chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Section 1. Verse 1. And again, he entered into Caponium after some days. And it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Unknown Men Driven by Faith. Jesus returned to Capernaum After spending time in what Mark described as a desert region, because of the widespread acclaim of his healing, Jesus' popularity had become so intense, he could not spend time in any of the surrounding cities or villages. Therefore, he sought refuge in desolate, Unpopulated areas that provided some sense of isolation and respite from the people. Despite Jesus' attempts at sequestration, Mark recorded that the people continued to come from everywhere, seeking him. Mark chapter 1 verse 45. It is interesting that Jesus returned home to this fishing village located on the northwest coast of the Sea of Galilee. Mark recorded Jesus' home as Caponium and not Nazareth, his childhood city, where he was rebuffed. This identified Caponium as Jesus' base of operations for his movement and ministry. Even after spending some days away from this area, the people of Caponium heard Jesus had returned. As word spread, it became known Jesus could be found there, and the people were determined to press him to solve their needs, so much so that they sought the place where he was staying. As the narrative continues, it becomes painfully obvious that the people found Jesus at home, only to discover the crowd had grown so large they were spilling out of the house and into the courtyard. Mark described the scene as a quasi mob spectacle, saying there was no room for the people to assemble. Using the Greek adverb, M-E-K-E-T-I quote no more or quote no longer any room to illustrate the situation in the house although Mark did not relate the details of the message due to their unruliness all the crowds could do was listen as Jesus continued to speak the word to them the focus shifted to several men who were approaching the house. Not all of the men were in the same or equal physical shape. These men were carrying a man to seek a blessing from Jesus. The scripture describes the nature of the man's illness as a paralytic. It is not known whether he had been crippled from birth. Nonetheless. These four men must have been family members or dedicated friends to have borne or taken up his pallet to the now overly crowded house. The phrase they came must in many languages be rendered as quote, some people came, end quote. If this is not done, an impression may be given that the crowd that was gathered, the last third person, plural referent, brought the man. An interesting parallel to Mark's account is that Luke chapter 5 verse 18 reads, quote, and behold, some men were bringing, end quote, who they are is a matter of conjecture. Some theologians believe they were the relatives of the paralytic, as distinct from the bearers. To the degree Mark's version is presented, the man on the stretcher was being brought to Jesus for grace and mercy. As the party carrying the man reached the house, they realized that because of the crowd, it was going to be impossible to get to Jesus. Not realizing all things are possible with God. See Mark 10 and 27. The party was resigned. They could not. And were not able or capable. To help their friend and brother by presenting his situation to Jesus. Suddenly. Someone had an idea. Quote. Let's find another opening in the house. Well, we don't have to fight the crowd, end quote. More than likely, they had tried the back door and any windows only to find them blocked. But there was another way. In a manner our contemporary culture could not imagine, their access to Jesus would be through the roof mark revealed the method of how these men executed their plans as they reached the flat roof by an outside stairway mark continued to describe their mission using the greek term a-p-o-s-t-e-g-a-z-o which means quote unroof or quote to remove the roof from the house in mark chapter 2 verse 4 The Greek word refers to only a part of the roof. Therefore, in a number of languages, it may be necessary to translate as, quote, they made a hole in the roof. In view of the types of houses built in Palestine in New Testament times, the roof would have been flat, held up by heavy beams, over which were laid planks or sticks that were covered with sun-baked clay. They were then able to dig out an area in the flat roof by breaking the planks and digging through the branches and clay to create an opening that allowed them to lower the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. Section 2 is entitled Healing of the Paralytic. We read verses 5 through 10 of Mark chapter 2. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easy to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy. Section 2: Healing of the Paralytic. As a hole was being created in the roof, it probably interrupted Jesus' teaching because the attention would have shifted to the commotion above their heads. There would have been a combination of anger, such as the homeowners decrying the destruction of the property and the insults of the people who could not get to Jesus, as we are frustrated by people who cut line. Jesus, however, was not disturbed by this breach. What would have been considered Improper conduct, but saw the faith that drove their mission. Rather than scold the men who had destroyed a portion of the roof and disrupted Jesus's discourse, Jesus said to the paralytic, "Son, your sins are forgiven." Mark chapter two verse five. Notice that Mark used the Greek term T-E-K-N-O-N, which is translated as, quote, child. Although this is written as, quote, son in English from the KJV, it is not the same term used in John chapter three, verse 16, where John uses the Greek term H-U-I-O-S, meaning son but specifically offspring in a number of languages it is impossible to translate the greek term t-e-k-n-o-n as child since this might immediately suggest jesus was declaring himself to be the father of this man Furthermore, the paralytic was evidently an adult male. A more satisfactory equivalent would be, quote, my dear man, or my dear fellow. A careful understanding of Jesus' proclamation that the man's sins were forgiven should not be misconstrued as indicating the man's sickness was the direct result of sin. Some Jews speculated such was always the case. Sickness and suffering commonly were held to be the consequences of one's sin. This idea became troublesome. However, when the victim was born with a disability such as blindness, Jesus corrected this false idea and then focused on the purpose of this particular suffering which provided an occasion for revealing God's glory. See the reference to John chapter nine, verses one through three. As an opposing reaction to God's glory, evil penetrated the hearts of the scribes who were present in the crowded home. Jesus noticed they had began to discuss the situation and consider the implications of what they had heard from Jesus' lips. It quickly became obvious. The scribes were not pleased with Jesus' reaction to the drastic measures of the men. Mark stated they contemplated in their hearts, and their demeanor probably turned to anger as they argued among themselves as to how they should interpret Jesus' pronouncement. These pseudo-holy men seem to always show up where Jesus taught and preached because his reputation drew both the common people and those who sought to discredit him. Because of their position as the religious authorities of the people, They would be afforded the best seats in any gathering, whether in a synagogue or this house. So they came looking for one false move. Nevertheless, the appearance of these religious authorities was only going to end in a disagreement. They asked loudly why Jesus was saying these things. For these men, Jesus was committing blasphemy, which meant to revile, to slander, or to speak irreverently about God or sacred things. Moreover, and most seriously, a blasphemer would claim to be God which Jesus was later accused of doing by declaring he was the son of God. In the minds of these scribes, Jesus was wrong because only God can forgive sins. As Daniel declared, quote, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. See the reference to Daniel chapter nine, verse nine. In the Old Testament, The forgiveness of sins was never, never was attributed to the Messiah. Therefore, the scribes regarded such talk by this fellow as a pretentious affront to God's power and authority, which was a serious offense punishable by death from stoning. See the reference to Leviticus chapter 24. Verses 15 and 16. Such a charge became the basis for a formal condemnation. Later when Jesus spoke about the concept and the ability to forgive. The religious leaders later challenged Jesus by asking who gave him the authority to do these things or define forgiveness. See the reference to Mark chapter 11 verse 28. These men had gathered to find fault with Jesus and missed that Jesus was the authority who was filled with power from the same God they were attempting to limit. Immediately, Jesus knew these men were plotting against him. Mark spoke of the center or place of the reasoning as, quote, in their hearts, end quote from Mark chapter 2, verse 6. The heart often was used to relate to such things as personality, memory, emotions, desires, and the will in the imagery of biblical lore. The heart can be imbued with moral qualities, as in hearts that can be proud, See the reference to Psalm 131 verse 1. Or evil. See the reference to 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 28. It is because the heart stands for human personality that God looks there rather than at our actions to see whether we are faithful or not. Therefore, Mark's emphasis was on the heart. Not any possible quizzical expression that may have been on the men's faces. Through their hearts, Jesus saw their real intent and malicious thoughts. Jesus turned his object- objective to the authorities. He challenged them by setting up questions that were complex but quite simple. As an example, Mark later reported that Jesus challenged these same religious leaders by asking them if the baptism of John was from heaven or from humans. The leaders knew they had been outmaneuvered because if they responded that John's baptism was from heaven, Jesus' reply would have been, quote, yet you refuse to believe him, end quote. But if they said it was from humans, the people would turn against them because John was regarded as a prophet. See the reference to Mark chapter 11 verses 30 through 32. In the same way, Jesus forced them to determine whether John the Baptist had been sent from God. The apex of Jesus' questions was whether the paralytic sins could be forgiven or his body healed. If the men answered that it was easy to say to the paralytic his sins were forgiven, they would be guilty of the same blasphemy of which they had accused Jesus, as they thought no one could forgive sins but God. Likewise, if they said to the paralytic, quote, take up your bed and walk, quote, they would look foolish knowing they did not have the authority to heal the paralytic Section 3 is entitled All authority is in my hands We read Mark chapter 2 verses 10 through 12 But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy. I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all. And so much that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. As the challenge came to a conclusion, Jesus revealed he, the son of man, had the authority, better yet the power on earth, to forgive sins. This statement seemed to be lost to the leaders. If these men had any idea, of some of the attributes of the Messiah they were awaiting, they should have recognized Jesus' proclamation was not idle speech, but a declaration of his persuasion, his power, and his position. In one of the more famous phrases of the New Testament, Jesus commanded the paralytic man to pick up his bed and go home. The Greek term, H-Y-P-A-G-O, also could mean, quote, go away, end quote. The purpose of which was not to insinuate the man should simply depart, but to realize he was healed. The compassion of Jesus and the glory of God was witnessed in the healing of this formerly paralyzed man. The man got up immediately, picked up the pallet that was once his stretcher, And left the house and the amazed crowd. Mark did not report that anyone was concerned about the damage to the roof of the house. They were too dazzled at what they had witnessed. No one was upset about losing their place in line to speak to Jesus. As it seemed, they now were hopeful their collective and individual situations could be changed by Jesus. The people had never seen anything like this, and that was the objective of this public healing, that they might witness the authority, compassion, and mercy of Jesus. The reaction of the people was beginning, was to begin to glorify God. The Greek term used by Mark is D-O-X-A-Z-O, which means quote, to praise or glorify God, end quote. From this, we get our term doxology, which is defined as, quote, the study of the glorification of God, end quote. However, doxology is also a liturgical formula for praise to God. An example of further use may be found in Pauline doxologies that frequently take on the form, quote, to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See the reference to Galatians chapter 1 verse 5, Philippians chapter 4 verse 20, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 18. Paul often ended his letters with a note of praise to God. Let's wrap up our lesson with some discussion questions, but first, some concluding remarks. The four anonymous men were essential in creating appropriate conditions for the paralytic man's healing. First, they had faith in Jesus' power to heal the man. Their desperation to get him to Jesus is the measure of the intensity of their faith. The fact that the men wanted the man healed proved that in addition to faith, the four strangers also had empathy. They were moved by compassion, and as a result, made more sensitive to the needs of his infirmity. They worked together, employing both creativity and ingenuity to transport the paralyzed man to Jesus. Confirming the role and necessity of community in the work of healing. Finally, the four unknown men each make perhaps the greatest contribution to creating appropriate conditions for healing sacrifice. Rather than going to Jesus for themselves, each of them sacrificed their opportunity to ensure the one who needed him the most got to him first. During his ministry, Jesus was the supreme authority on earth and had authority and power designated from the Father in heaven. The religious leaders did not recognize the long-awaited Messiah because of spiritual blindness. Their lack of faith was based on their desire to retain position and status. Their lack of faith in their misinterpretation of the mission of Jesus. Because of their obstinacy, they were blinded. They had problems seeing Jesus because they held to the wrong appropriations. Let's talk about it. First question. Why did Jesus use the title, Son of Man, to refer to himself? Next question. Athletes sometimes tear a ligament. Torn ligaments have ended many promising careers. However, some athletes have returned to action after these devastating injuries. Why must they undergo psychological counseling in addition to physical rehabilitation? Follow-up question. Have you ever been so drawn to hear the word of God that you were willing to stand to hear it in a packed venue? Another question. When is the last time you said to yourself, I've never seen anything like this in reference to one of God's miracles. God's Word in Life There have been studies that show children who suffer from the crippling effects of hunger also have difficulty learning in school. A proper meal is the fuel that enables us to get through a normal day. The brain, like the lungs, heart, arms, and legs, is a part of the body that needs food to properly function. Malnutrition presents psychological effects on education, levels, and children trying to focus. Life is integrated. Life must be seen from a holistic viewpoint. This is even more true when we talk about God and the way we view our faith. The healing stories of the gospel are much more than a man's arm being restored. A woman healed of blood issues, leprosy being removed, and demons being cast out. Living for God must be a connection between faith and living. Between claiming to follow the Lord, being molded into his image, between our belief and our character, between our profession and what we practice. Christ is the head of a body, soul, and spirit that is touched in all areas by his grace and mercy. The lesson that we talked about, healing for the whole person. As it right. So does the Psalmist who says Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. See the reference to Psalm one hundred three verse one. And all works together and must be treated as such. As we said before Today's Bible Lessons trending topic is hashtag GrittyFaith. Share your views on the Bible Lesson by using the hashtag GrittyFaith as well as look us up at CJCooper929 on Facebook and Twitter, on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook chad cooper and use the hashtag sunday school sundays hashtag the also podcast finally we come to the ddr monday prayer for peter in prison acts 12 5 through 11 tuesday prayer for a successful ministry romans 15 22 through 33 Wednesday, pray for inner strength and power. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Thursday, pray the prayer of our Lord. Matthew 6, 7 through 13. Friday, pray for your abusers. Luke 6, through 33. Saturday, pray to avoid trials. Luke 22, 36, correction, 39 through 46, Sunday, Jesus prays for his His disciples, John 17, verses 13 through 24. This has been another episode of Theosol Podcast, where theology meets sociology along with a little bit of soul. Today's episode was Sunday School Sundays, as we talked about the Bible lesson entitled "Called to Heal. If you'd like to interact with us, you can do so via social media, as we said, uh, when talking about hashtag Gritty Faith. On Facebook, look us up. Chad Cooper. On Instagram and Twitter, look us up at CJCooper929. If you would like to donate, you can do so via Cash App, dollar sign CJ Cooper 22. We hope that this lesson will edify you as we begin another day. God bless and take care.